Today we want to talk about someone who probably does not get talked about enough in a lot of circles of the church. We always hear about God the Father. We always hear about God the Son. But it seems that sometimes we forget the Holy Spirit. And when we consider the Holy Spirit, many people have all sorts of ideas about the Holy Spirit. Where basically, when we consider the Holy Spirit, many people think that the Holy Spirit makes someone just be out of control. Where the Holy Spirit, if a person, if a person has the Holy Spirit, they must be able to speak in tongues, or they must be able to dance on the floor. And that is what we have seen in some churches where people say, I have caught the Spirit. But I'm here to tell you tonight that that is not what the Holy Spirit will do and what the Holy Spirit is for. No one catches the Spirit. It's not a matter of if you catch something. But as a believer, the Holy Spirit lives in us. The Holy Spirit indwells in us. The Holy Spirit is what gives us power in our relationship with Jesus Christ. It's just like, imagine this for a second. And I'm sure we've all done this before, right? The power goes out. You come in a dark room. And you try to turn on the light switch. Anyone ever done that? You know, you come into the room and try to, you know, dark, the power's out, and you try to turn the light switch on, you're like, wow, I'm dumb. Because the lights are off. So I can't, I can't do it, right? It's just how the Holy Spirit is in us. Without the Holy Spirit in our lives, we can do nothing that we want for God. And as a believer, if you call yourself born again, we need to recognize that each one of us in this room if you call yourself a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. The Holy Spirit, like I said, is not this image that some people have where, again, you know, when we think of Pentecost, you know, Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came and that was the first present the Holy Spirit came and people were speaking in tongues and, you know, but if you remember in that particular instance, you remember what happened? Everyone could understand each other, right? The Holy Spirit doesn't come to cause confusion. The Holy Spirit doesn't come to, like again, like I said, I know people who will say, well, if you don't speak in tongues, then you can't be a Christian, which is totally false. But tonight, we want to talk about the Holy Spirit living in us. How the Holy Spirit enables us, empowers us. In fact, as Jesus was leaving his disciples, does anyone know what he said to them? He said, it was better for me to go. What? What do you, Jesus, hold on. We walked with you. We saw you do all these miracles. You did all these spectacular things. And you're saying it's better for you to go? I want you to imagine that for a second, right? How many of you like superhero movies and different things, right? We all like superheroes, right? Imagine for a second, and I'm just going to use this person, all right? Don't, don't think that, you know, 
Imagine you're walking side by side with Superman. All right? Just imagine you're walking side by side with Superman. All of a sudden, these people come up against you, and you're, you're having this big fight, and Superman says, all right, I'm going to leave you right here. You got to do this on your own. How would you feel? Huh? I always think it was a joke. You think it's a joke? You think what? What? Yeah. What would you say? Huh? Good. All right. Uh, you ain't got. I don't know what to say about that. All right. You would not be too happy, right? But you know what? Why is this in? You know why it was different when Jesus said he was leaving? Because he didn't leave them alone. He said, "I'm going to send someone talking about the Holy Spirit to help you. It is better for me to go because you know what happened? Jesus himself was what." A human being who could only be in one place at one time. But the Holy Spirit lives in us. He's with us all the time. And that's why it was important for him to go. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Romans chapter 8, 5 to 11. And it says this. But those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. So here it is. Paul is saying that, look, if I'm a person I'm living in the world, I'm going to put my mind on the flesh. I'm going to put my mind on things that, you know, are basically things that I think I can control. The things of the world. But Paul said, when you come in a relationship with Jesus Christ, you take on a different whole perspective of life. Let me ask a question. How many of you have ever been, in the, been on the streets and you thought to yourself, wow, something is terribly wrong with that person? Anyone ever been there? All right, and you wonder, how could that person be that way? Well, the reality is that that person is that way because they don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And they don't have the Spirit living in them. How many of you have ever heard your parents say, in driving a car, said, boy... If I have the Spirit living in me, what I would tell that person or say to that person, anyone ever had that happen? Where your parents say, good thing I'm a Christian or whatever? Right, right? It's because the Holy Spirit, listen, the Holy Spirit convicts us in our sin. The Holy Spirit is what guides us, shows us what things are right from wrong. Without the Holy Spirit, we would not know that. Does anyone know when the Holy Spirit comes upon a person? Well, this could be a very... When does the Holy Spirit come upon a person? Point of conversion, right? But it also says, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit what? First of all, the Holy Spirit what? Draws, right? So even before, in a way, He leads you, He's led by the Spirit, but then as soon as you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives in you, like that. You see, we talk about two different baptisms. We talk about baptism of water, and baptism in the Holy Spirit. Baptism in the Holy Spirit, what do you think comes first? Is it baptism in the Holy Spirit or baptism in the water? Who says baptism in the Holy Spirit? Who said baptism in the water? All right? Before you can get baptized in the water, you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You need to become a born-again believer. So I know we're going a little deeper here than we normally do, but this is so we can understand exactly what the Spirit is all about. Verse 6. For to set the mind of flesh is death, but to set the mind of spirit is life and peace. You see, if we set our minds on the earthly thing, if we set our mind on the things that we can see, the flesh, 
What's going to happen? We're going to just fade away. We're going to, we're going to pursue things that are going to kill us. But it says, but set your mind on the spirit of life and peace. You see, for me in my life, I could be honest with you. If I wasn't a born-again believer, living in a country sometimes like this, I would lose a lot of hope. You would think to yourself sometimes, what can I do? What should I do? And you know what the first thing we like to do? We like to blame the government and we like to do all these different things. But the reality is, is the reason why we're in the way we are is because of people who are not guided by the Holy Spirit. You see, when somebody takes a gun and just shoots someone over, I don't even, like yesterday, I don't even know what it was about. Where a guy comes into a school parking lot and just shoots someone, you know, because we're not guided by the Spirit. We allow the things of the world to take over us and consume our lives. And we wonder why, and, and like I said, the only hope I could even think about is that hope that one day Jesus is coming again. That's all my hope. Because when I look at this world and I put my hope in this world, you know what's going to happen? I'm going to just be upset, be hopeless, wonder what's my purpose, why am I doing this? But the Holy Spirit that we have hope in. Verse 7. For the mind that is set in the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law, indeed it cannot. Again, a life without the Spirit, there's no way that you can do anything to please God. Nothing. You may be a good moral person, but at the end of the day, you're still not doing it for God. How many of you ever said the devil made me do that? Anyone ever said that? You have people say that, right? The devil made me do that, right? You never said, you never, never heard anyone say that? Wow, okay. Okay. All right, you're going to lose. Well, that's another whole topic for another day, but just so you're tonight, you cannot lose your Christianity. Well, actually, if it's just a religion to you, if it's not a relationship with Christ, then that's what, you know, the meaning is. Right. Right. So, yeah, but you cannot lose your relationship with Jesus Christ, okay? That's why the Holy Spirit holds us. Again, for the mind is set in the flesh, it is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Again, we can do nothing to please God on our own. Verse 8. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Wow. Again, there's no way to pleasing God. Let me ask a question. With all that being said, how do you think I would ever want to become a youth pastor or any, any part of ministry? Do you think that my flesh told me that I would want to do that? Even though probably in today's society, we see some people on TV who I would probably say that they're in it probably for money or, you know, they drive this fancy car and they got a jet and everything else. Let me just say this. I have no jet. The Honda stream that I have was given to me for free. Are you laughing, Christiana? I don't have a I don't have a Mercedes Benz or nothing in the in the closet or somewhere, all right? Only thing I ever had was a Hot Wheels type of Hummer. Alright? That's the only thing I've had, okay? So I'm not one of those pastors. I'll give you, you know, I'll give you an illustration. 
Because this is what's happening in our society, because even in the church, we've given God a bad name. I went to buy a mattress one day, a bed, you know? And I went to the store, and I said, Ma'am, I want your best mattress at the best price. And I said, well, and I told her, well, I'm a pastor. And she said, oh, thinking, well, oh, you're a pastor? You don't mean you got money. So I'm going to show you this, these mattress. I said, sorry, Ma'am, I'm not one of them pastors. I'm the pastor who's really struggling, trying to make it. So please, let me see what you have. But you see, we have given God a bad name. And in our own flesh, we have to understand that we can do nothing to please God. Verse 9, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. I'm at the question. How many of you have ever been turned off by someone who said they are Christian? All right. Where basically we've seen someone and they've said, I'm a Christian, but yet you see no difference in their lives. We've all seen that, right? And the reality of that is because there are many people who say they are Christians, but yet they have never received Christ. Because you know what's happened a lot of times in, in places like this and different places you've gone, whether you go to camps or different things, it's all about emotions. It's about playing with people's minds and hearts. Scaring people into making a decision. You know, I know of an illustration of a pastor that used one time. And basically he said that he was with a group of children, and they were about five, between eight and five and ten. Well, this pastor said that he had two different barrels. He had one barrel here that said, you're going to hell, and was on fire. And he had one barrel here that was decorated very pretty, and it said heaven. So he gets before the children and say, who would like to go to heaven? Come up and put something in the barrel so that you could go to heaven. Who would like to go to hell? Come put something in the barrel that's on fire, that if you get close to the thing, you're going to probably get burned up on the way there. What do you think the majority of them children did? Oh, let me put it. Right. They put their thing in the barrel to go to heaven. Now, did that make those people born again? No, right? You see, that's why we have to make sure of something in our own lives. Are we truly born again? Do we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, or is it just a, an emotional decision we made before? You see, in my life, I can remember going to the camps that we used to go to before, and they used to tell you to come throw a stick in the fire. And let me tell you something. I went from when I was 12 to 18. That's, if, that, if, that, if I didn't duck math, that's about six years, right? 12 to 18? Right. So I probably threw, I probably threw a stick in the, in the fire at least four to five of those years to give my life over to God. That's actually um, more than all right. Oh, okay. I probably threw it about four or five times. And I can tell you this. I did not mean it until the last time I did it. I did it because I was sitting in a row just like this. And every single person got to throw a stick in the fire. I was like the kid, like right over there, sitting by myself. 
Now let me ask you a question. How would I make you feel you don't even want sitting down? You probably get up too, right? Just because you don't want to be awkward, right? You see that many people have made decisions like that. There are many of you who have been to different places where people have scared you to pieces to say that, you know what? You might go to that door tonight, and then you might go to that gate tonight, and you know what happened? You'd be in a car accident tonight. You better accept Christ. You're saved tonight. That could happen. But you went through emotion. You went through it because you were scared of death to die, and so that's why you made a decision. Not that you really meant it, but you know what? I just wanted to get my fire insurance. But verse 10 is very key, as we consider. Whenever you look at Scripture and you see B-U-T, as small as a word that is, it's very significant. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. You see, we need to recognize that if Christ is in us, it's going to be seen in what we do. We're going to live forever. I don't know if you remember probably a couple years ago, Gatorade stops and commercials. And they used to talk about, is it in you? And it basically, the athletes used to sweat and you just see the Gatorade coming out of them. Or am I that old? They, they, they all see them, right? Basically, they're trying to say, is Gatorade in you, right? The question I have is, is the Holy Spirit in you? If the Holy Spirit is living in you, you've got to be different. You can't be like everyone else who's on the basketball court cussing and carrying on and talking bad about these people. There's no difference. You've got to be different. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit convicts you, shows you things in your life that you need to change. Verse 11. The Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to the mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Do we recognize the Spirit that lives in us? How powerful that is? The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. So when you think you can't do something because, you know what, I'm scared, the Spirit lives in you. The same power, the same Holy Spirit. John 14, 15 to 17 says this, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. You see, the Holy Spirit was given to us as believers to guide us, direct us, to give us hope. To help us in our lives to convict, to convict us of sin. To show us right from wrong. You see, Jesus recognized that he could not be everywhere. So he sent the Holy Spirit to live in us. I challenge you tonight. Does the Spirit live in you? Do you genuinely have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Because if you do, the Holy Spirit does live in you. But the question becomes after that, what are we doing with that? How do we grow in, grow in our relationship? Well, we must pray, read God's Word, 
and the Holy Spirit will guide us. You see, without the Holy Spirit, this book is nothing. You can read this all day. But the Holy Spirit helps you, guide you, direct you. So how do we apply this? The Holy Spirit gives us power beyond our imagination. So I challenge you, if you don't know Christ your Savior, the Spirit doesn't live in you. And you don't have this hope that we have. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace, your mercy. Father, we pray that you continue to be with us. Pray that we go into our small group time, that you will guide our discussion. And I pray that you would help us to allow your spirit to work in and through our lives for those who call ourselves one again. And I pray for those who don't know you as Lord and say that they will come to know you. And we just pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 